Well, we're going to go ahead and open up the Word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue where, uh, where we've been, but we're changing the theme just a touch. We've been talking about being salt and the nature of what it means to be a, uh, a salty person. And, and we've defined uh, salt as the flavor and the essence of who Jesus is. And the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 are really God coming to us and telling us, Christ telling us directly what it looks like to be a kingdom person. These are virtues of a kingdom person, right? Well, uh, of course, we know by now, because if if we've been around and we've engaged with Christ enough, we've got to know that, that Christ's ultimate goal is not for us just to know the stuff of the kingdom, but to live out the stuff of the kingdom, Right? And so he kind of unpacks these beatitudes and this, these, these ideas that, that, that really are qualities and characteristics of salt, being a preservative in this world. But then he goes on right after, so where we, where we kind of have left off with the beatitudes, let's just go ahead and dive in here uh, in verse 13. And uh, I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard Translation today. And uh, this particular, I, I like the subtitle that they chose for this next section. And that's Disciples and the World. I just think it's really good. Uh, it's a good summary of what we're about to get into. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. This is God's word. Can we give him praise for his word this morning? Say, thank you, Lord, for your word. And so uh, this, this idea of being salt and the idea of being light are very closely intertwined here. Because being a salty person, in, in other words, car- carrying the, the flavor of Christ on you, is going to cause you to become a sort of a beacon for the world. There's something that, uh, that the Apostle Paul writes about Jesus that is so impactful to me. It's in Colossians, and he says that Christ is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of the nature of the Father. The exact imprint. He's the radiance of the glory of God. In other words, all of God's glory radiates through Christ. And I think that it is, that it, that it is not unimportant that the one whom Scripture calls the radiance of the glory of God, right? He's the, he's the brightest light that there is. Would then look at you and me and say, you are light. That's, that's significant, right? That the light would say to you and me, you are light. I was remembering an old song when I was preparing for this message old song that I remember singing in vacation Bible school when I was, when I was just a wee lad, okay? Um, <laughs> Give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning, burning, burning. Anybody remember that song? Yeah. We should sing it together just, to, just as a throwback, right? Give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning, burning, burning. Keep it burning till the break of day. You know, I remember that song. I remember seeing that as a kid. And, 
in vacation Bible school or Sunday school or wherever I learned it. I remember as I grew up, that song kind of stuck with me. And I remember, especially when Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins and they're supposed to have their lamps trimmed and ready when the groom comes so that they can go with the groom to the wedding. And uh, I'm not going to get into that parable today, but, but like that whole idea of, of a lamp and what it signifies and, and light and being prepared. And a lamp needs several things to work. It needs, it needs fuel and it needs a spark. We've got an oil lamp sitting at our house. It's an old one. I almost brought it, but I was afraid I would break it. Uh, so I didn't bring it. Um, but, but we have this oil lamp that's been at the house. It's, you know, we, we bought my grandmother's house, and it's this old lamp. And I, I don't know how old it is, but, but uh, I imagine it would still work because there's not much about an oil lamp to break. I mean, you need fuel, and you need a good, uh, you need a good spark, right? You need a good wick, but... Uh, or rope or whatever they, they use in those. I don't know. I, I, I have electricity in my house. So, um, but, but you need those things to be present. So an oil lamp, it doesn't really radiate its own light, does it? It radiates a light that is outside of itself, but has been placed inside. It, the fuel didn't come from within. The fuel came from without. You have to put it in the lamp, and then you have to apply spark in order for there to be a light. And we're the same way. And I think there's a reason why the, the scripture uses this example of a lamp. Because that's the kind of lamp that it's talking about. It's, it's, it's talking about an oil lamp. It's what they used. And so you've got to have these things. You've got to have a fuel. You've got to have spark. But where does that come from? If you're a lamp and if I'm a lamp, we're not burning our own fuel. We're burning the fuel of the power of God that is put in us by the Holy Spirit when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, and our, the faith that God implants in us is a spark. Christ is both the fuel and the spark so that we would shine. So then we radiate not our own light, but we radiate the light of Christ in this world. That's what we're called to be and to do. When we see... in, in just some observations as I was praying through this idea is uh, I, I kept thinking of John chapter 12. And so I want to read just a little bit out of John chapter 12 uh, because it, it goes so well with this idea. But in, in, in verse, uh, let's see, let me, get, oh, that, let me get the right one. I got a Whataburger coupon marking it today. So that, that's a, that, that is a little distracting. But, um, <laughs> but John chapter 12. <laughs> Oh, man, God bless your principal. There's, there's free Whataburger. You see, you came to get blessed by the Lord and to get a burger. Um, and uh, and you're, you're, you're doubly blessed, you know. Um, and there's one for a honey butter biscuit, too. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, <laughs> John chapter 12, starting in verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. That's, that's, that's important. Because Jesus just gave us a purpose statement, didn't he? He said, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Why 
did Jesus come into this world? He came into this world so that he could push back darkness and free us from it. Because when light comes into a room, it, it, it changes things, right? Um, you ever just sit in the morning in your room and just watch the sun as it rises and, and, and just flashes of light into your room? I love that. Uh, one of my favorite ways to wake up is with the sun. I like to wake up when the sun wakes me up. I don't like my alarm clock. Don't get Plus, it normally wakes me up before the sun. And I'd prefer to not be woken up before the sun. That's I'm just saying. And, um, but, you know, when I work up here a couple days a week, you know, uh, I, I have to get up early. But uh, that's okay. I enjoy it. But, <laughs> but I, I, I love that feeling when, when the light comes flooding into the, to the room. And it's, it just changes the quality and the characteristic of the room, doesn't it? All of a sudden, things begin to, to come alive in new ways. The monsters that are under the kid's bed go away, you know? I mean, everything changes when the light floods into the room. And Christ came as light to free us from darkness, to change the characteristics and the qualities of our lives to wash out the darkness and the, and the destruction and the evil that came into this world when Adam and Eve chose their own self-centeredness over being turned out towards the Father in His love. And, and, and we could talk all day long about their choice and, and, and you know, the devil made them do it or whatever. That, that, that's, the devil didn't make them do anything. They chose to follow after their own way rather than after God's way. It just so happened the devil was there to to cheerlead them in that direction. But let's not forget the Holy Spirit was there to cheerlead them in the right direction, right? They made a choice. And we continue to make that choice when we walk away from the Father. And every time we make a choice in our lives that takes us away from the Father rather than turning our hearts towards Him, we're participating in darkness rather than in light. And, and Jesus came to free us from darkness. John chapter 3 Verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, this is the judgment. But wait, I need to preface this. First, he says, I didn't come into the world to judge the world, right? He says, it came that the world might be saved through me. But, but he says, there's already actually been a judgment. The judgment's already occurred. He says, the judgment is that, that uh, light is coming into the world and men love darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. That's the judgment. So if, if, if we're people who are fundamentally in darkness, we're, we're actually living under judgment. But that's not what God's desire is for you and me. That's not what he created us for. He says, For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So I spent some time thinking about this today because, again, light and darkness. We're looking at light and darkness. And in fact, I didn't even mention that the title of today's message, I should probably mention this. It's Light and Signs of It. But light, what does it do in us? People of light are not afraid of having their sin exposed. That's, uh, we need to talk about that for a minute. Why? Because they know that God is doing an amazing work of restoration in them. And part of that process is cutting out the cancer 
right? Part of that process is exposing the blemishes and what's broken in us because God is looking at us and he, and he says, listen, I have this, this vision for you that I had the moment that you were thought of. And by the way, let's not forget, Scripture says, before the foundations of the world, he called your name. That blows my mind. I, I, when, when I think of what, what, what Scripture tells us about the nature of faith and God's calling of us as his people, I, I don't understand the intricacies of how God calls us and why God calls us. I don't understand all that. But what I know is Scripture tells us that we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. You know what that means is before you even woke up or before you were born and had a chance to sin and before Jesus died on a cross, he was already thinking of how he would redeem you. That, that's mind blown, okay? I, I don't even know how to, how to go any further into that. But, but his plan from the very beginning was to set you free. He saw that you were going to be broken. He saw that you were going to have blemishes. But he has a vision of what he created you to be like. And can I tell you the clearest picture of that vision is Christ? Because Christ is the one man who's ever been fully human since Adam. And when Adam chose to sin, he actually gave up some of his humanity because he walked away. He, 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 the image of God in him was tarnished. We were created to image God to the world. We were created as priests to tend his temple. The earth was created as God's temple. And our entire purpose is wrapped up in God's glory and that his glory would be shined throughout the universe. People of light have come to see that when God exposes sin in us, it's not because God's out to get us or because God is a cosmic killjoy and doesn't want us to have any fun. It's because God has a vision for us that's bigger than our vision for us. He sees us as, as, as people who he created to carry his glory like Jesus carries his glory. And he wants to restore us back to the people he created us to be. You cannot attack a cancer that you're not aware of. You can't buff out a blemish that you can't see. And so, for Christians, sin exposed is a gift from God. And we can see His kindness in it, freeing us from slavery to what's destroying us. It may not always be the news that we want. I, I've been reading through Jeremiah, and one of the things God has been speaking to me in the prophet Jeremiah is that sometimes the word that God actually brings is not the word we want to hear. But oftentimes we pick and choose and we only listen to what we want to hear. I won't make any political comments today, but, but in, in this country we tend to be a people who we only listen to people who say things that we want to hear. We don't want to listen to the hard words. So we create, our, we create like thought ghettos that we all go into. And the only people we surround ourselves are people who are like us. Now, what do you think is the average American response when God comes at you revealing, hey, there's something broken in your life. There's something sinful over here that I want to expose so that we can push that darkness out and you can have light. Much like our father Adam before us, we don't tend to respond well 
when God challenges us on our sin or our patterns of sin. So it's hard for people to see God's kindness in the challenge. Because people living in darkness are threatened when their sin is exposed to sin. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? They're, they're threatened when their sin is exposed to sin. They don't want to hear it because they think that they, that they have life in the cancer that's killing them. And that we don't still think that way is a miracle, by the way. Can we acknowledge that? That I don't rejoice in my sin and that I mourn my sin and that I want to change and be different. That didn't come from me. Because I'm going to tell you, left to my own devices, I would choose the sin all day long. I struggle and I fight because the Holy Spirit is in me. And he empowers me to see what's good and what's true. And Christ, when he died on the cross, broke the bonds of my sin and set me free. And the Spirit is now carrying me along and teaching me how to say no to darkness and walk to light. It's God's grace in us. So when we see people out in the world who are struggling, our response shouldn't be, wow, look at that fool over there. Look at that person wallowing in their sin. Our response should be, if God's grace didn't work in me, I'd be just like him. And we ought to have compassion and mercy. We've talked a lot about that in the past few weeks, haven't we? Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who don't give somebody what they deserve, but they give them mercy instead and kindness and grace, just like the Father. We haven't been set free from our sin and darkness just so we can be idle and wait for heaven. We've been set free to live free lives in Christ as a display of his glory in this world. No one, this is, this is going to be really important. I want everyone to dial into this statement. No one who has had a true encounter with Christ has to, say, has to stay in his or her patterns of sin. No one who has had a true encounter with Christ has to stay in sin because guess what? That might have been your birthright in Adam, but your birthright in Christ is righteousness and light. You are a new person. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. You know, the, the Spirit didn't reveal that to Paul so that he could tell us, so we could think, oh, you know what, new creation, that's great, but that's not here yet. That's coming someday. No, it's already been started. The restoration project in you has already begun. And the Father is working with the Holy Spirit and, and in partnership with his word to purify you and make you into the person today that Jesus created you to be. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And when was he talking about? He was talking about now. I mean, yeah, we're going to grow up in Christ. And yeah, someday the kingdom's going to come. And by the way, it's going to come here. And we're going to be here, and it's going to be really cool, and then New Jerusalem is going to come out of heaven. I don't know what all that's going to look like, but I've read Revelation, and it's cool. All right? They make streets not out of asphalt, but out of gold. And I'm like, that's really cool. We walk on stuff that we think is valuable on this side of heaven. The gates are made of pearls and diamonds and stuff. You know how much money diamonds cost? I sold, I don't know how many pizzas to buy my wife's wedding ring back when I was in college. 
a lot of pizzas. They're expensive. And God makes gates out of them. What I'm, what I'm saying... What I'm saying is there's a future glory, but the future glory, God has called us to live in the reality of the future glory today. And God loves us enough not to leave us where we are because he's the ultimate good Samaritan. When he, when he saw us broken, he didn't just leave us there. In Isaiah chapter 59, what does the Lord say? He says that he looked out and he saw the brokenness of the world. He saw there was no one to intervene, and so his own arm brought him salvation. God loves us too much to leave us as we are. So then what's our part? We know what is light now. Like we see Christ is the light and, and, and he's come in us and he's now producing light in us and through us. But what do we do? Well, I think it's pretty clear that we walk in repentance. Because repentance is the act of choosing light over darkness. And by the way, it's not just a one-time thing. We, we uh, all of us who grew up in evangelical churches, sometimes we get it in our head that there's just like one experience with the Lord, maybe a second one if you're a little charismatic, you know what I mean? Um, like, like a lot of us are around here, but... but you just have this like one encounter with the Lord and you're saved and then that's pretty much it. You just kind of wait for heaven. That's wrong. That's not what the scriptures teach us. Let's, let's remember this again. Jesus said, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. That means that his goal for you, his vision for you is not for you to remain as you were before you came to know him, but for you to begin taking steps into his kingdom. And that is what repentance is. Every act of repentance, every choice to reject sin and self and turn my heart towards Jesus is another step into the kingdom. We have a new identity. And it's upside down to our old one. We've been spending a lot of time talking about the upside down and the right side up, right? And it's not an episode of Stranger Things. It's, it's real. It's where we are. We live, in a world, we live in a world that's become upside down. It's reverse of how it's supposed to be. The kingdom of God is right side up. And so Jesus comes challenging a lot of those conventions because he wants to knock us off kilter so we can see our brokenness so he can bring us back to the place we were called to be. We have a new identity. And even though it's upside down to the world that we live in, it's right side up in relation to ultimate reality and to the, the universe as a whole. So we're actively choosing Christ, rejecting anything contrary to him. We are actively practicing being children of light. And it is a practice. It's something that we have to practice. That's why we talk a lot about spiritual formation and discipleship. It's why... Um, you know, the majority of days that I am alive, I pick up the scriptures and I read, even though I don't feel like it sometimes. It's, it's not because, it's not even because I'm looking to study it or, or, or go even deeper into it, even though that's what I do a lot, but it's just the point of being present with the Lord and practicing presence and being with him and turning my heart away from him. Like, I'm, if I choose the scriptures over YouTube, well, that's a step for me into the kingdom. 
I'm not saying, you know, we, we need to be legalistic and spend five hours a day reading the Bible, although it wouldn't be bad for us. But, but, but I'm saying that, that, that taking little steps, sometimes they're just baby steps into the kingdom. You know, like, what about Bob? You know, baby steps to the elevator. Hey, sometimes it's just baby steps into the kingdom. You know what I mean? Just a little bit at a time trying to get there. Not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Once again, it's a work of grace. So it's not something I'm conjuring up in myself. I'm just learning to rely on the Spirit. I'm walking in the flow of what He's doing in my life. And I'm just saying no to my old nature, my old sin nature. I'm just saying no to that. One of my favorite passages in Scripture for this is out of Romans chapter 6 because Paul flat out says, he says, hey, you know, you are, you're a child of, of, of righteousness now, so why would you want to go back to your old sin patterns, right? What shall we say then, Paul says, are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? He says, we've died and our lives are hidden with Christ in God. We've died to our sins. He says, you, when Christ was crucified on the cross, your sin nature died with him right there. And, and he goes on to say in verse 10, for death, for, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Wait, Paul calling us to a different way of thinking. And this is what repentance is. I'm considering that my sin nature is dead. And so when it starts to rise up in me, I can just proclaim, you're dead. <laughs> you died. That, that old guy's not alive anymore. It's still a struggle. It's still something we wrestle with. But that old person I used to be is as good as dead. So I might as well stop living like the dead guy and start living like the alive guy. And repentance is choosing light. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness, or what, uh, or what fellowship has light with darkness? God has called us to distance ourselves from the world and the way that the world does things. I need, I need to make sure we're, we're clear that he's not saying that we shouldn't be around people who are broken. Matter of fact, in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus was really clear, Father, do not take them out of the world. Why? Because salt has to be up against what might rot in order to preserve the thing that is rotting. So we've got to be present with people who are broken, with situations that are broken, but we're supposed to be other. That's what it means to be holy, and Scripture calls us to be holy as He is holy. It means to be separated. In other words, I'm not going to participate in their stuff. Uh, maybe a good picture would be we were business partners and we broke up. And I, I say to the world, take my name off the sign, man. <laughs> I'm in partnership with Jesus now. And we're going to start a location across the street, but we're still on the street. And if you want to come over and join the new thing, you're welcome to. But we're going to be here, but we're going to be different. We're going to do things from a kingdom perspective. And then there's something that I think we need to be aware of. That if we're, we, we know that Christ is the light and he calls us to light. And by his light, he is 
flushing out the darkness in us. Like the more like Jesus we become, the less darkness is in us, the less sin rises up in us. But it's about being in Christ's presence. And we know that repentance is how we practice walking towards the light. But there's something else that I think we need to, we need to wrap our minds around a little bit this morning. And, and that's what he says in Matthew chapter 5. Because, because of Christ in us, we are now light for others. That's really important. Because this says something a lot about our purpose. Because our purpose is directly tied to the purpose of Christ in the world. Why do I exist? Well, he came as light so that we would no longer walk in darkness. And he sends us as light so that others would no longer walk in darkness. Right? Christ in me and Christ through me. Christ is working in me and Christ is working through me. What God does to me, he wants to do through me. Think about that for a minute. There are people around you who are in darkness and God has sent you to them as light to radiate the glory of Jesus into the world. You are the light of the world, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Can we just do, we, we just got to practice for a minute. We got to get this into our heads. Can you just point to yourself and say, I am the light of the world. Jesus said so. You know what the devil's going to say to you? He's going to say, you're too messy to be light. The devil's going to tempt you to hide your light as well. Because one of the things the devil loves to do, he loves to say, hey, you're going to be weird. People are going to look at you and think you're weird. You're like Rudolph. You know, you've got a shiny nose, and so, you know, your daddy needs to cover that with some dirt so the other reindeer won't think you're a weirdo. See, the thing about Rudolph, though, I love that story, by the way. Huge fan especially the animated version, but uh, I appreciate Gene Autry for giving us that song, uh, Oklahoma Legend, by the way. Anyway, um, pretty much Oklahoma created the Rudolph story. I, I mean, we're going to take credit for that today, so. um, but uh, we, we do a lot of great things in the world and the state. So. Uh, but <laughs> here's the thing, man, they didn't know how much they needed the light that Rudolph had until stuff got bad. Until the darkness took over. And then, then all of a sudden they're all, oh, yeah, Rudolph, we really need you today. You know, Santa can't deliver presents and stuff because uh, it's too snowy. <laughs> it's too bad out there. And, you know, some of our friends and family members, they don't know they need our light, the light that we have in us because it hadn't gotten dark enough. And I don't know how in the world that's the case after this year, but some people are so stubborn. Listen, it takes a work of the Holy Spirit for someone to see how dark they really are so they can see how much they need the light of Christ that's in you and me. So my encouragement to us this morning, and I think the Lord's encouragement, is not to cover it up, not to hide it, not to be ashamed of it, not to let the devil tell you that you're not bright enough because it's not your light anyway. It's the light of Christ in you. but for us to embrace his goodness, to embrace what he's doing in us and allow him to work through us. Don't you find it amazing, we said earlier that Christ, who the scriptures refer to as the true light of the world, 
looks at you and says, you're light. Do you find that amazing? I find that amazing because I know myself. But I'm learning not to believe what I say about me, but to believe what Jesus says about me. Right? That's part of my repentance. I'm not the dude I used to be. I'm not the guy that oftentimes I think I am. I am the person that Christ is building me to become. Just like Jesus, we are light so that others would no longer walk in darkness. Now listen, we're not leading them to our light, right? We're leading them to Christ's light, which is what is radiating through us. We're not calling people to us, in other words. We're calling them to Christ. And it's his power and it's his glory that's in us. The reason why we are worthwhile in this endeavor is because of the presence of Christ in us. The Father in his divine providence has chosen you and I to be the primary delivery parcel he uses to deliver the gospel of hope and restoration through Christ to this broken world. You are the channel the Father is using to deliver his message to the world. It's not anybody else. The evangelical church for about 20 years has been waiting for the next Billy Graham to rise up who'd gather masses. Guess what? He's not come. And Billy Graham was never the Messiah. Christ has always been. Do you know who the next Billy Graham that God has chosen to get the gospel to masses of people is? You and me, the church, actually always has been God's choice to reach the world. Has been the church. That's why he is building his church. And this is why it's so critical that we live lives that are chocked full of transparent and active repentance. It blesses God and brings him much joy and glory whenever we live restored lives in Christ. When I can say to my neighbor, you should have seen what I used to be, but look what I'm becoming in Christ. And when I can say, I know it's not me. I know it's not my work. It's the work of Christ in me. And we can have that testimony of God's transforming work in us. That brings the Father so much joy and so much glory. But we've got to do it. We've got to get out there and work with him and, and, and really be about the restorative work in us that Christ is doing. It, it doesn't really bring him much glory when you have a bunch of Christians who don't look like Christians, who don't look much like Jesus. He loves to see his children living the way that he created us to live and the way he redeemed us to live. And we want to live this way for his glory and out of gratitude for what he's done, for his kindness towards us, right? Like that's, that's our motivation. It's gratitude because we love God because he's been so kind to us. We want to bring glory to him. A second thing that I want to point out is by living an act of repentance, we find the most complete and whole versions of ourselves. This whole world is always looking for how, how it can find itself, how people can go find themselves, whatever they're doing. You know how you find yourself is you get lost in Jesus. That's how you find yourself. We were never made to be the center of our own universe. Nobody was. And so through repentance, we practice turning away from self and turning towards the Father. We're learning humble love and trust. Repentance is good for us. Turning away from self is good for us because we were not designed to live self-centered lives. And we're destroying ourselves when we do. 
lastly, our world desperately needs to see that there is hope for broken people to be restored in Christ. Listen, I don't know about y'all, but I've been alive in 2020. <laughs> and I don't know if in history, I know I'm, I know I'm over-exaggerating this because I'm like, really 2020 wasn't the worst year. It's not like the Black Death. It's not the Spanish flu. It's, it's you know, there have been, it's not the Holocaust. I mean, th- there have been horrible, horrible years. And we're a little coddled to think this is the worst one. <laughs> but it's a bad one, <laughs> you know. We can be honest about that. It's been rough. I've lost friends who got sick and whose lungs weren't strong enough to fight off COVID. I've lost three or four fr- good, good friends this year. And I know a lot of us have. It's, it's been a rough year. And, and I know that this world is hurting right now. And as much as they ever have, they desperately need to see the hope that Christ is going to restore all things. And he's starting with you and he's starting with me. Let's just be honest about ourselves for a minute. None of us is really anything to write home about on our own. <laughs> We're all pretty average people with pretty average human struggles. Same messed up human tendencies that everyone else has, if we're honest about it. That we can repent, that we can live lives that are restored in Christ, that we can be led by the Holy Spirit rather than our lustful passions and self-centered thoughts. That's the miracle this world needs to see. They need to see Christ in you. They need to see Christ in me. And they need that coupled with a clear proclamation of the bloody cross and the empty tomb and a baby who was born in a manger to die on a cross and rise from the dead so we could have life. That's what the world needs from us. So our work, we have work to do, by the way. I'm I'm not just getting up here to deliver a sermon so that we can all go home and be like, man, well, that was really a nice word and and, I feel better about myself because I went to church. That's not the point here. The point here is God wants to do a transformative work in you and through you. So our work is to actively practice belief in God's love through our own active repentance and to display God's goodness before others while calling upon them to join us in the light of Christ. So here's what I want to leave us with. I would encourage each and every one of us to think of one way, just one way. Again, baby steps. I'm not, I'm not going to ask us for too much today because I realize we're all broken. We're broken people being restored. We are. We're in process. But think of one way that you and I, in our worlds where we live, can put Jesus on display in our lives through active repentance. What, what's something you can give up to the Lord? this week that that you've been wrestling with. Maybe you have a sin pattern you've been struggling with for a long time, and it's just time to get really serious about crucifying that part of you and, like, giving it to Jesus. And, And you can tell a testimony of the work the Spirit is doing in you. Again, you're not alone. The Spirit's at work. What's something you can actively work on repenting of? And and, and let's do it with gusto, no matter what it costs us, as far as standing in the world or maybe even like personal happiness. Because I'm a believer that Jesus wants to shine through you to others. And if we are shining his light, it's possible. It's possible that somebody out there who's been living in darkness might find light. 
because they see the power of Christ radiating through us out to them. I believe that's possible. Right now, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. I mean, I watched Home Alone 2 last night. It's Christmas, you know what I mean? It is the season. People are thinking about it, and they need a teacher. They need someone who can guide them. Man, they need Yoda. They're Luke Skywalker. They need Yoda. You're Yoda. Okay, let's do it. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Let's do it. I want to pray for us. And I would encourage you, if you're watching online and you need prayer, you can text that number we have available. We will get in touch with you. Um, if you're here and you need prayer, if you're sick and you need prayer for healing, if, you, if you're struggling with some sin in your life and you just really need to overcome, you need the Spirit's power in your life, we want to lay hands on you and pray for you this morning. Okay? If you need to respond and maybe, maybe you're out there and you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, for the very first time ever, the Lord is grabbing a hold of you and saying, turn to me and away from yourself. We want to have a conversation with you about that as well. Let's pray. Father, we, we cannot do this on our own. We don't have the stuff it takes to do this on our own because the reality is we're sons of Adam, we're daughters of Eve. But we are broken people being restored through Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for the gospel message that the God of the universe who spoke all things into existence would humble himself by being born as a baby in a manger and growing up to become a great man who would not even lean on his own greatness, but would humbly follow every direction of you, Father, even to the point of death on a cross. And he is the example for us of what it's like to be truly human. Lord, help us to be like Jesus. We need your power. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just infuse this room with power. Infuse your people with power this morning because we need you. If we're going to carry your presence wherever we are, we need your help, Lord, to reject the old person we used to be and walk in the new light we have in Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.